Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com. Today we have a special treat. Uh, one of our amazing executive team members is going to share a word today. And she is the only female on our executive team. Our executive team is the highest form of leadership at this church. Uh, we believe in empowering women leaders here. We believe that there is no Greek or Jew, slave or free, male or female in Christ Jesus. We, we are all one. You can clap for that. Yes, that's good. Come on. We believe in empowering everyone. And so we, if that offends you or bothers you, you know, God often sends vessels that offend us to tell us the truth. So you're welcome. You're welcome. And so today she is going to bring an amazing word. It's been incredible all weekend. Um, but she's, you just need to know that without this lady, uh, a lot of things wouldn't happen around here. She's an executive administrator. She is kind of the backbone of everything that goes on around here. So I want you just to honor her properly and give a huge, amazing, really loud welcome to the boss lady, Miss Tracy Irwin, coming up to preach this morning. Come on. Come on. Louder than that. You can double it. There it is. Love you, Tracy. You're amazing. Thank you, guys. All right. It's November. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, can't believe it. Time's flying. All right. So yeah, as, um, Caleb said, my name is Tracy or Win. Win is in my name and I'm also highly competitive. So we'll see who wins. Mm-hmm. Challenge accepted. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm like the commercial break from the series Revelation, <laughs> you know, kind of like the 10 commandment movie. It goes on and on and on and never ends. Um, so I'm your commercial relief. Um, yeah, so uh, yes, I, uh, uh, Caleb mentioned some of the things I do around here. One of my roles is a prophetic overseer, and it's my honor to serve in that capacity. And yes, I'm on an all-male um, executive team. So estrogen represents, come on, ladies. Whoop, whoop. Um, and so, yeah, so I shaved my legs for you today because it's special today. Uh, you don't know because I have jeans on, but yes, I shaved my legs for you. And uh, yeah, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Um, also, I'm turning 54 in a month. And, you know, I, I'm so thankful I get a lot of compliments. So thank you for all of those who told me I look like I'm 52. I really appreciate it. <laughs> You know, but honestly, seriously, age has never been a thing for me because my philosophy is, you know, age doesn't really matter. Just live your life, right? But that was until I started growing a beard on my chin. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, yeah, if you can't laugh at yourself, yeah. So, okay, awkward out of the way. Awkward out of the way. Okay, so, you know, sometimes coming up here is not always easy because isn't Caleb an amazing teacher? Yeah, revelatory teacher. Um, but I say he's actually easy to follow because he is a great leader. Yeah, so he makes my job very easy for me. Um, so my goal today is to lead us into a conversation about revival, revival, revive all. What is it? How do we get it? And why do we need it? 
So I'm gonna start digging right in. Let's start with defining it. What is revival? I mean, I've heard a lot of people say different things about revival, have you? There's been a lot of conversation around there. Um, but just looking at the definition, it's an improvement in condition or strength of something, an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. Hmm, isn't that cool? I thought that was really interesting. There can be more, one, more than one kind of revival because it really is about what God is strengthening, improving, or highlighting to make important again. It's when we partner with him that creates the wave of common revival and brings reformation. Yesterday we celebrated the birthday of the reformation of Martin Luther. You know, and I believe that he's speaking revival of the capital C church. The reforming of church is happening right now. He wants to revive the church, guys, to make church important again to us. Not to him, because it's always been an important to him, but an important to us. Um, a couple months ago, I had a dream, and I won't give you all the details, but uh, I do believe it was actually an encounter. It was a night dream, and these elementary age kids were preparing for church, and they were writing songs, and they were, you know, arranging the notes and the instruments, and they were so in love with Jesus, and their songs were so profound about the love they had for the church. I woke up from this dream just weeping and weeping and weeping because I don't know if you noticed, there's some hostility towards the church. Um, and I understand there's been hurts and I'm not minimizing that, but it doesn't change the fact of how God sees church, okay? But I woke up from the dream weeping and for two whole days I was just wrecked over this dream and God shared with me that I actually was seeing into the future. And it was gonna be this age that was going to revive the church, revive the love for the church again. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's good news. Yes, you can clap for that, absolutely. Let it happen, I say yes to it. Um, and we don't have to wait till they get old, older. And if you've been following, uh, who follows Sean Foyt? Yeah. You know, have you noticed he's giving his 10-year-old the platform? That's a revivalist, a reformer right there. Um, we're seeing into the future. Um, one thing I noticed about revivals that created reformation in history, it started with someone's yes. Are you a revivalist? Does he have your yes? Um, Martin Luther, who was a professor of moral theology, he received a revelation from God while studying the books of the book of Romans, and his 95 theses were written in protest to, there was a corrupt uh, practice in the Catholic Church for selling repentance. And uh, he argued uh, against, that was the system, that's what everyone knew to be. And so he was swimming upstream, he argued that true repentance and freedom and eternal life only comes through the personal relationship with Jesus rather than works. We know that now, right? We think it's crazy, crazy talk that they even thought something different, but it wasn't crazy then because the norm was works. Revival, <laughs> reform. And so by the 1900s, the, the church had become powerless and operated like a religious system. Hmm, 
Doesn't that sound familiar? History repeating itself, maybe. Um, England was the unipower um, at the time, but um, it was starting to break apart because um, in Welsh revival, has anyone heard of the Welsh revival? That was in 1904, and it started with young people. Yes, I love young people. <laughs> They're so courageous. Um, but it did. It started with young people, and they began to experience the reality of God's power through the Holy Spirit. And the church exploded, exploded with the fire of heaven. And then that influenced Azusa revival. Anyone heard of Azusa? Azusa Street? Um, and that was the second key reformation in 1906. And that lasted 10 years, 10 years of that. Um, anyone heard of Toronto uh, outpouring? Yeah. That was in 94. Uh, many referred to it as the Father's blessing because what happened is there was an outpouring that started in a small church in Toronto uh, led by John and Carol Arnott. And people literally came from all over the world to experience the Father's love. Hello. They went to Toronto to experience the love of the Father. They didn't go to their own town. They went to Toronto because something was happening in Toronto. He was pouring out his love there through signs, wonders, miracles, and this contagious love. In fact, there were so many visitors to this church that it became the number one tourist attraction in Toronto, 94. <laughs> Could you imagine TRP being the number one tourist attraction in Tampa? <laughs> I love it. Revival in the Bible. Let's think about the woman at the well. She encountered the living water, right? She was so changed that she reformed her whole town. She went into her town with the testimony of Jesus and the whole town got saved. <laughs> I can imagine reform happened in their culture in that town. So why do we need these? Why do we need these? I believe each reformation created a snowball effect producing additional moves of God and each one restored a critical um, aspect of the Godhead to us uh, that was lost in the Garden of Eden. And so throughout history, you can see these three key reformations restored Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father back to the church. Back to the church. And we are living in the most exciting times in history right now, guys. God is setting us up for another reformation right now. Do you see it? A new wave of revivals and reform. It's right here. It's going to set people free from orphan thinking and restore the family culture of heaven to earth. Yes. With every major spiritual reformation comes a renaissance in the world. And I'll never forget Jamadi a few years ago, Caleb's wife. She released this word, so she saw it way before any of us. She saw the renaissance coming. And the purpose of reformation is to make changes to something with the intention of setting it back on the right path. And so renaissance happens when creativity and in, um, innovation and ingenuity is restored. So spiritual reformation comes. People experience God in ways com that completely transform them. Completely transform. They were one way and now they're this way. And then society is propelled into a whole new era 
of advances in culture and art, politics, economics, and so on. Do you see that? Do you see that happening? It's happening, guys. So if God is speaking revival, he's wanting to reform the church, reform the bride back to its original tent. So let's discover that together in Luke. And I'm going to show you one of the purposes I believe God is inviting us to move towards reform. So I'm going to dig right in. We're going to uh, read Luke 15, 11 through 32. If you want to get your Bibles out or just read along. We got revival happening right here. More Lord. <laughs> Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in the land, so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Um, that's pretty rock bottom. Humiliated the son finally realized what he was doing and he thought, there's many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house. I'll say to him, father, father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home, and from a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Dressed as a beggar, a great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him and he swept him up in his arms and hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with a tender love. Do you notice he didn't come with a, with a prepared speech to, to reprimand him? Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, son, son, you're home now. None of that matters, he's saying. He's saying none of that matters. I don't even want to hear what you did. It doesn't matter because what matters is you came home. You're here now. Turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring me uh, bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. 
Now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned, and as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebrating and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your brother, it's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father's throwing him a party to celebrate his homecoming. And the older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come enjoy the feast with us. Come enjoy the feast with us. The son said, father, listen, he's going to school his dad. (laughs) How many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look, look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a feast to celebrate for him. And the father said, my son, you're always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours once dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. You know, I left home when I was 17 because I was rebellious and determined to make my way and be out on my own. And I actually moved into a drug-infested shack with a prostitute on Nebraska Avenue rather than be at home with my parents. So I've been the younger son. And I didn't want to go home because I was prideful. And I refused. There There wasn't anything that they did wrong. I literally just didn't not want to live under their roof. Just plain rebellious. And that's where I ended up. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, at least I'm on my own. And, you know, I've also been the older son, refusing to celebrate others. Uh, I went on a Reformation tour. I actually went to Germany to see where uh, Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis. By the way, they didn't have nails back then, but they did use wax. Just a little fact. But... Yeah, so uh, I went to a revival conference. I was um, on team with Global Celebration with Georgian and Winnie Banoff. Anyone heard of them? Yeah. And so we get to Germany. We get to this arena, and it's like 6,000 people. It's Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson. I don't know any of these people. I don't know anything. Uh, But what I do know is this older son mentality. (laughs) And uh, everyone was breaking out in laughter. Bill Johnson himself laughed for a good 20 minutes before he even spoke, and I was mad. I was so angry. I didn't like this. It was stupid, and I wasn't going to have it. And so I grabbed my team leader. Her name is Stacy. Um, we laugh about this today, but I, tell her, I told her, I, you know, I have a real problem with this. I'm very uncomfortable with this, and this just isn't right. And she put her arm on my shoulder, and I'll never forget that look. I can imagine what she was thinking in her head. Oh, isn't she? That so bless her heart. 
so she prayed for me, and she told me it was going to be okay, and I just was like this. Watching all these people have a good time. But I wasn't going to have a good time. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> I was not, mm-mm. So I'm in my little fit, and God decides to interrupt me, and he's like, hey, Tracy, what's wrong? What's going on? And I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. Maybe you can do something about this. <laughs> There's all these people laughing, and I don't like it. And he said, he asked me why. And I was like, well, that's a good question. So I thought, well, why do I don't like this? Oh, I know why, because they're faking it. Fake, 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 faker, 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 faker. Oh, I know they're faking. Oh, I know they faked rolling out of that chair. Mm-hmm. That, nope, that's not Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so <laughs> that was my problem, basically. And uh, the Lord's like, so why, why do you think they're faking it? You know, it's, he's going with me, you know. He's not saying they are. He's just going with what I'm going with, right? He likes to do that because he's kind like that, you know. Conviction's kind. And so um, I was like, well, maybe they're faking it because they want to encounter you. Have you ever done that with the Lord? I was like, oh, I get it. A third of the kingdom is joy. They're just experiencing a third of the kingdom. Oh, I get it. And so now I, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Let them laugh. Because what does it matter if they fake? Get them for real, Lord. But I refused in the beginning to celebrate them. So let's look a little bit closer at these roles. The younger son. Let's look at some things that he did. Um, he asked for his inheritance. In the Middle Eastern culture, it was a great offense for a son to ask for his, his father's inheritance because it would be equivalent to saying, I wish you were already dead. But you know, the father gave it to him anyway. He begged He begged the farmer to hire him. That's not the position of a son. A son doesn't need to beg. You know, he was hired to feed the pigs. And for a Jew, this is especially degrading because they were even forbidden to raise swine. So that's really rock bottom. Guys, he was starving. Starving. Have you ever been starving? Praise God, I've never been starving. But he was starving. He was willing to eat the slop because no one would feed him a thing. He was humiliated. The son finally realized what he was doing. And so he re rehearsed in his mind what he was going to say to his father. He wanted to go home because he knew, there, I won't lack anything in my father's house. I'm not going to lack anything. And he thought, well, maybe my father will be upset with me, so at least I can be treated like one of his employees, right? Let's look at the older son. This guy was working out in the field doing his duty, you know, um, but he, can't, he was angry and he refused to go in and celebrate. And, um, you know, in that culture, in that era, hospitality was super important. And his refusal to go into the feast when it was his actual responsibility culturally to co-host that event with his father, um, it was actually a humiliating rejection of the father. And that's why the dad was pleading with him. His dad didn't come to him angry and make him. 
he pleaded with him. And so, you know, this older son begins to give him a list of things he, he's done for his dad, you know. Let me remind you of what I've done. And what I hear in this is, what about me? What about me? Like, why aren't I being celebrated? Why, aren't I, why, am, why am I not important, right? But I want you to listen to the dialogue of the father. First of all, he distributed in the inheritance before it was time. This word in Greek literally means he gave him his life. That word is bios. That's where biography comes from. So the father gave him his life. All that he had and all that he was was given to both of them. His father saw him coming just as a beggar. You know, and uh, like I said, he didn't prepare a speech, but he, he raced out to meet his son and swept him up and hugged him and kissed him over and over again with tender love. Not a rebuke, but love. And, uh, you know, the son's like telling him, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. And I love that the father didn't even let him get the rest of the sentence out, but interrupted him. You're home now. You're home now. That's, you're home now. And so he brings the robe, the ring and the shoes, the the ring is the seal of sonship, and it was put on his finger. And culturally, the ring was an emblem of authority, giving the son authority to transact business in the father's name. And this is the picture of the seal of the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have authority to make heavenly transactions. Ephesians 1.14. You can find that in there. Bring out the best shoes. Did you know slaves were barefoot? It's like, no, you're my son. You're not a slave. You're free. The feast, that Greek uh, text is kill the grain, fat, and calf. And this is a picture of feasting upon Christ who was sacrificed for us. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. He once was lost, but now is found. Is that not worthy of a celebration? <laughs> Everything I have is yours to enjoy. Everything I have. So if you think about it, the younger brother pursued self-discovery and the older brother believed in moral conformity and earning favor from his father. And both needed the revelation of grace. And I believe we have an epidemic of the older son mentality sweeping through the churches. And I want, to, I want you to get a picture in your mind you will always be a son and a daughter, always. That will never change. But God wants you to be part of the maturation process for us in the church so that you can become spiritual mothers and fathers. We've been talking about the harvest coming and they're gonna need mothers and fathers and it's honestly time to assess where we are so we can partner with God. We can't make forward progress without present awareness, guys. It's time to get real with God where we are. Do we want the older son mentality raising up these kids? I've done that to my kids. I've had to apologize for that. I've had to apologize. I've had to clean up my mess. So I'm, I'm just trying to help you. Like, we, I, I want people to come into the church and know that we've matured. And we owe it to the Lord for that. 
We need the heart of the father and mothers and churches. That's the revival I believe God is revealing to us. So I'm gonna give you a grid that will help you get started to be presently aware. And these are questions I always ask myself. So for those note takers out there, these are some things you can just ask yourself. Where are you at? Let's gauge where you at so you can move towards. It's not to go, oh, you're immature. We're all immature. But it's to help you take steps towards maturity. So the first one, how easy is it for you to see gold in others? Is the first thing you notice are things that need to be fixed in a person or an environment and, or a church? You know, I was an intercessor and that was my job. I would walk into a place and I could tell you what was wrong. I'm here now. I'm going to fix it. Yep. Okay. No, nobody worry. I've got you covered. That, let, me, <laughs> let me help you. That is not an intercessor's job. An intercessor's job is to release heaven on earth. <laughs> to bring light into a dark situation. Yeah. How do you receive uh, direction, feedback, correction? For me, it felt painful because all I could feel was rejection. Why? I had to ask why. Because I had an extremely critical father and zero empowerment. And I'm going <laughs> to... I've been doing this all weekend, getting the courage to share some of the mistakes I made. And... Um, each one, it's getting easier, so I feel an ease to share this with you, but um, there was a time when I uh, was kind of felt um, not seen or heard or I forget exactly what it was, but I just didn't feel it was handled right or that I was seen, and so I was uh, texting my accountability person some complaints I had against um, Caleb Hires. <laughs> a list, and I sent it to him accidentally. <laughs> and I said, oh, snap. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. There's no delete button. Let me hide. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, got, I, I sent it, so now I have to call him and own it. But you know, that set me free because he helped me work through needing that approval. Guys, you're already approved. God already approves of you. <laughs> How quick are you to forgive? That's a good one. How easy is it for, you, uh, for blame to rise up or offense? Um, I was offended not too long ago. <laughs> and God told me one day that I was a gate, not a fence. <laughs> you're a gate. People can come and go. I was like, oh, you're a gate. You're a gate. How hard is it for you to tell someone that you didn't like something they said or did? And how hard is it for you to resolve problems? Oh, that's still a hard one for me. How easy is it for you to admit that you are wrong? Let's practice. Let's say I was wrong. Yeah. You can be wrong sometimes. Are you performing your way into leadership or serving? Mm -hmm. Oh, snap. 
Isn't that what the older son did? He performed for acceptance and approval. Listen, guys, you have access to everything. You have access. Access is granted. You're approved. Is your significance from how well you performed? Do you, is it easy for you to celebrate others' successes? You know, for me, this was tender because it meant for me that someone, if someone else was successful, then there wasn't room for me. Lie. There's room for every single person. I say what Paul says, not that I've already attained all of this or have been already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of me. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Are we, we are always be sons and daughters, but he wants us to grow into mothers and fathers. So let's be mature ones with the heart of a father. And as a spiritual mother of this house, I just want to celebrate you and celebrate your journey. I want you to be acknowledged for who you are and who you were fashioned to be. And you are important and you have room here to be fully yourself. But I'm also here to tell you it's time, guys. Maturity is taking responsibility for your own growth, discovering your identity. Yes, you can clap for that. And dealing with wounds and hurts. No one else is going to do that for me. No one else is going to do that for you. And learn how to be in community together. You know, if you keep leaving community, how can you learn how to be in community? You have to be in community to learn how to be in it. So take courage to do that. So right now, um, I'm going to just, um, we're going to play a video for you. And it kind of wraps a bow on everything we've been talking about. The harvest is coming. There, yes, there's that. But also, I look at this as how, as a parent, I've so transformed I was talking with somebody and I was sharing with them. I can see the different stages of my own maturity in my three children. I have a 27-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 19-year-old. And, and I see the difference even in my parenting of how I started out one way and um, moving towards the father's heart, how it's impacted them, and how my youngest walks in way more wholeness. So if you're parents to young people, this is for... This is for that, too. It's not just prodigals. Are we ready? Okay. We're going to show this video, and then I'll come back up. since we talked, I was, you know, was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, you know, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But 
I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's 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 the thing. It's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm uh I'm coming through town soon and and I'd really just like to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going and and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad. have India come up and the prayer team to come on up. They're coming home, guys. Imagine yourself in the full embrace of your heavenly father. I, 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 I do recognize that some of you may not have had great parents. Um, I, I had good parents, um, but, you know, I've had very cold parents, too, and I found my embrace in my Heavenly Father. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you, to come to the altar. But I also want you to imagine yourself being that for others. My mom passed away last year, and my dad sold the family home. And it feels like, you know, there's not a home to go back to where we would all gather. This place is my home. God's heart is my home, and I've learned that. So. You know, some here need a motherly or fatherly embrace. I want you to come to the altar. Maybe some of you want us to agree with you to move towards maturity. It's time, guys. It's time. And we want to partner with you. Maybe some of you, you're praying for your own sons and daughters to come back into the Father's embrace. I want you to come to the altar and let us partner with you. I just bless you, and I just thank you for letting me share. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. 
For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com.